The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Amen. Thank you so much. It is the first time someone's talked about how funny our stuff is and cried about it. Um, Hey, I, I am so excited to be with you this morning. It really is a pleasure. Uh, ever since I put it down on my uh, calendar, I was excited to be here, uh, to be with you. I've heard great things about your congregation and how wonderful everyone is, and I'm testing that this morning. Um, I should say I was excited about being here uh, until lunch this week. Uh, I had lunch with uh, Ben and Brett. Uh, it was a nice lunch. The lunch was fine. Uh, ben talked a lot. Brett laughed a lot. It was, um, seemed to be their place, you know. Um, and then at lunch is when I learned I was being set up to fail. And they didn't really say it, but I just, when you listen, you go, oh, I, I see what you're doing here, you know? And, and here's what I mean, okay? Like, two, two weeks ago, because this is a summer thing, right? Because Ben and Brett don't work in the summertime. And so, like, so, so it's a summer thing, and so they have people come in and all that kind of jazz, which is great. But, like, two weeks ago, uh, Dr. Dvork, is he, you're in here? Like, yeah, right, right there, yeah. This guy's got four degrees, is that right? Yeah, yeah, don't, when you don't, don't do that. Four, five, is it five? five? Four, five, somewhere around there, degrees, like, right? Like, this guy is educated. He's got the brains, right? And so, like, he was two weeks ago, and you're like, oh, right? And then, like, last week, you have Dr. Ricks, who is smarter than you, right? You have to say that, he's your boss, right? Smarter more degrees. Like, I didn't know you, like, why? I didn't know why you'd get that many degrees, right? Like, we know you're smart. With one or two, you're good, right? So you've had these two weeks of these just, like, highly educated people, and then, and these are, like, when they're introduced, it's Dr. So, now you get Tommy. Like, that's it. (laughs) There's not, like, Dr. Tommy, like, Dr. Phil. Like, it's none of that. You get Tommy. I've got one and a half degrees, all right? That's what I've got. One and a half, halfway through getting my master's, the school I was at said, they sent me a letter, we think you should take a break, you know? (laughs) And I was like, I agree, you know? So I'm on a 25-year break from that degree. So I've been set up to fail. I get that. I know that from the beginning. It is as if the king was leaving for a while, and he was like, I'm going to bring in people, and he brings in like this wise man, and everybody came in, and they're like, oh, you know, and then they bring in a wiser man, and everybody's like, oh, you know, and then they bring in the town fool to come up. So you've been set up to fail also. May I prove to you that we've all been set up to fail. Ben, stand up real quick. Exactly. Exactly. At lunch, Ben's like, oh, I won't be there, you know? And we're going to leave all the lights on so you can't even pretend, you know, like everybody's having a good time. So anyway, let's, let's go ahead and get into my public shaming so we can go to lunch, okay? Uh, I am Tommy Woodard, grew up in Edmond, graduated from Memorial, class of 87, all right? Uh, I have been married for a little over 27 years to my wife, Angie. Uh, We live as the crow flies, like a a 
less than a half a mile from here, all right? I have my son Hudson, who is going to be a senior next year at North, and then my daughter Abby, who is, there you go, not you, but you, my daughter Abby, who's going to be a senior next year at OC. Abby lives on campus at OC. She's at home now for summer. She's going on a mission trip this summer. You can pray for her, going to Northern Ireland, not even jealous, don't care. And so, so, uh, but she normally lives at school, and during the school year, that's where she's supposed to live because I pay for her to have an apartment to live at. And she lives there, except this past December, the phone rings, my wife answers it, and then, you know, I'm kind of listening as you do when somebody's on the phone trying to figure out what they're talking about, and I can't figure it out, and then she hangs up the phone. Well, she doesn't hang up the phone because we don't hang up phones anymore. We should change that vernacular, right? Nobody takes their iPhone and puts it somewhere, all right? This is no longer a thing, all right? So she, yeah, hangs up the phone, all right? And, and, and she goes, that was Abby. And I said, oh, great, what's up? And she goes, well, she may be sick. Oh, she, she threw up. Oh, her friend's taking her to the clinic. Okay, and then if she's sick, she's going to come to the house. To which I said, as a loving father, why? Thank you. I pay for her to have someplace else to live daily, especially when she's sick, all right? Let those other kids get it. When my daughter has a communicable disease, I don't want her at my house. And, And she went to the doctor, and sure enough, she had a communicable disease. That's what she had. Now that sounds, you may be going, oh, he's a little dramatic. Well, you knew what you were getting into, all right, when you asked me to come speak. So that's, but here's the thing. Let's look at the definitions real quick. Communicable, all right? If we look at, at the definition right here, okay, of communicable, okay, here's what we see. The, it, this is what she had. It is, it is the value of the product must be communicable to the potential consumers, right? It's able to be transmitted from one sufferer to another, contagious or infectious. What she had was able to be transmitted from one sufferer to another. She also had a disease, and here's the definition of disease, just so you're with me on this, the highlighted one, a particular quality, habit, or disposition regarded as adversely affecting a person or group of people. Abby, you had a communicable disease and you brought it into my house while I paid for you to live somewhere else. That is wasted money. Oh, I've been waiting so long to get that off my chest, okay. Let's get to the message. All right, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to grasp today as you are looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and today we get to talk about joy. I would say to you that I think that joy is a communicable disease, all right? I think that's what joy is. It is something that is transmitted from one sufferer to another. And so when we read about it, and and we read about the fruit of the Spirit, we understand things, or as Dr. Dvork said, the produce of the Spirit, which I love, we have to realize that this fruit that we talk about, another way to look at it is it is a communicable attribute. A communicable attribute, it's something that we get in community. Community with God, community with other believers. And just as my daughter had this communicable disease and was bringing it to the house, when we gather in this place together, we bring these things with us and we pass it one to another. 
it's why we experience, like it's why generally when you leave church, there's a little more spring in your step. There's a little more joy because you just gathered together and you experience some more of it. And that's the way it works. If not, if you generally come in this place and leave with less joy, something's wrong. And I would say to you, if in your life today you lack joy, I'd look real close and go, do you also lack community? Community with growing believers, community with the Father. Like, because that's how this stuff tends to grow in us. Joy is a communicable disease. It is a particular disposition that is transmitted from one to another, transmitted in community with God and with others. Let me show you what I'm talking about and why I think this is the case. There's a passage, or passages, and John uh, begins in chapter 13, goes chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. Jesus has gathered the disciples together. They are talking. He's talking. They're listening. He's giving them some words of wisdom. Of course, everything that he says is that. And right there, kind of close to the middle, beginning in John chapter 15, verses 5 through 11, it says this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do you know what Jesus is doing here? He's having a chicken pox party. Do you remember those? Remember back in the day when we actually had immune systems and we didn't have to have like immunization for everything? And, and so kids, if you don't know what that is, like back in the day, we weren't afraid of chicken pox. Now it's like, ah, you know, but like back in the day, it's like, oh, chicken pox. Whatever. So with the first kid in the neighborhood who got chicken pox, like everybody would bring their kids and be like, play with him. All right. And they, they would have like these chicken pox party because the idea was to transmit that those chicken pox virus into the rest of the kids and get it over with. And everybody would sit around and they'd be like, this is fun, you know. And essentially what Jesus is doing here in my mind is he's having a chicken pox party. But it's joy. He's having a joy pox party. He's gathered them in and he's talking and he's saying, hey, listen, here's what I want you to know. I need to fill you up with my joy. I mean, when we talk about chicken pox, you just start itching, don't you? Because I, I, I I want you to be filled up with my joy. He says, I have this joy And I'm going to transmit it to you, not so you'll get over it, but so you'll be filled with it. And and when you read all of those chapters together and you listen to the loving words of our Savior to his followers, it's amazing. And he's saying, I'm telling you these things, why? So that that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete and filled up. And so he's... He's just pouring out joy on his followers because he knows what's coming. 
And what's coming is not a joyful thing. It's a painful, difficult thing that's just around the corner that is the cross. He's going, I need to fill you up with this joy. Now, what is this disease called joy? It's hard to define. When we talk today about joy, we talk about happiness, we talk about gladness, and and these are different things. I read a definition uh, uh, this week about joy, and it was this. Christian joy is that good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. That my joy is, is, is not about my, the circumstances of my life. Joy is about the circumstances of my soul and where I stand with God. And joy is not just about what's going on in life. Joy is about how I see the beauty of, of, of the Savior in the word and in the world. It's much different, and, and we're lacking so much of it in our world today. If you're a, a, a fellow believer in here today and you think you always have to be joyous, good news, you don't. Don't you, like, how do you say it in church terms? Like, don't you despise those people who are always pretending like they're joyful? Right? It's what we do at church. How you doing? Blessed? <laughs> I am blessed. Ha! Whoo! And what we're really saying is, don't ask me. I don't want to talk about how I am right now. Because here's, the, here's the, the good news on this morning, which, by the way, good news, good news is what the gospel is good news, and good news is simply the facts that bring joy. And so I want to tell you some good news today. You don't always have to be joyful to experience joy. In fact, sometimes things are going to be difficult and tough. Uh, I'll give you an example. December 14th, 1991. December 14th, 1991. I had just finished uh, doing an improv show uh, here in Edmond, and my then fiance, now my wife Angie, we were driving her Pontiac Sunbird uh, down to Frisco, Texas uh, that, that evening uh, where I was serving at a church, and all of my worldly possessions were in her Pontiac Sunbird, which tells you I didn't have a lot, all right? And so we're driving. And, and I'm driving, and she's in the passenger seat, and this is the first time I realized that my future wife would suffer from motion-induced narcolepsy, all right? And if you don't know what that is, it means when the car starts moving, she goes to sleep, all right? And so, it's a condition. Guys, it's a condition. Just let it go, all right? And so, we're driving, and we drive a, a few hours, and she's asleep, and I, she's so beautiful, she's asleep, you know, look at that. And just as we get past Gainesville, Texas, the car, the Pontiac Sunbird, goes, I was like, oh, oh, uh, and it dies. I coast over the side of the road. We've just passed Gainesville. And she wakes up, and she's like, what's, nothing, nothing's wrong. I just, I just want to stop for a second. Start the car back up. We're good. She goes back to sleep. We drive just up, oh, just a little bit further. And it dies. And she's like, what's wrong with the car? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, are we out of gas? I'm like, no, we're not out of gas. Yep, we're out of gas. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. 
Now, this is 1991, so it's not like we're going to pull out our cell phone and call someone and get some help. There's nothing to do, and so I've got to come up with a plan, and here's this lady who hasn't married me yet. I've got to impress her, and so I'm going through my mind. What can I do? Well, we could both leave the car and go get gas somewhere and bring it back, but all my worldly possessions are in the car. I can't just leave the car, and so then I was like, here's a plan. I'll guard the car. She can go get gas. I was like, that... That seems like the smarter idea. I'm the one in danger being the guard, you know. That's not a good idea. I'm not going to leave her with the car and go. That doesn't seem good. So being intelligent, early 20s, frontal lobe hasn't developed yet, I come up with a plan. I will push the car to the next gas station. That makes sense, doesn't it? I wish, I wish with all my heart this wasn't a true story. I don't... I don't know how far the next gas station is. I have no way of looking it up. So she slides into the driver's seat. I get over behind the car, and I start to push. <clears throat> Babe, could you take your foot off the brake? Thank you. <clears throat> and I start pushing the car. I'm, first mile, the joy of the Lord is my strength. All right? <laughs> I'm pushing that car along I-35. I am singing praise songs to God. I can do anything. Ah, all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? You know, keep pushing. I get to the second mile. The second mile, I start thinking like, huh, ah, Lord, I need your strength. Yeah, be big in this, God. You can help me do this. I'm not sure where the gas station is. Come on, Lord. Third mile, I'm now confessing things that I've done. This is apparently a result of my sin. I read the Old Testament. I know how it works, all right? I've confessed everything I can think of to confess, and I'm still going. Mile four, as I push the car, I'm now ripping my garments. I'm trying to find ash to throw on my head. I don't know what to do. Mile five, I hit delirium. This is a true story. I'm pushing the car. I'm so sad. <laughs> My wife's to be is up there. And I look over, it was right over here. I looked over here. And I was like, Babe, be careful. There's big dogs just over to the right of the car. To which she replies, I think those are horses. <laughs> yep, they are. Yep. They are. Five miles until we got to the gas station and I pushed it in. I fill up with gas. I go inside to pay. And this is literally what the guy says. Did you run out of gas? <laughs> no. 2.30 in the morning. I just wanted some exercise, you know. <laughs> Listen, I was not joyful the whole time. There's a lot of that time I wasn't joyful. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was scared. All of those things. But that doesn't mean I'd lost my joy. I don't have to be joyful all the time to have joy. Look what Jesus says, um, John 16, in the same time that he's having with his disciples, he says this, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Listen to these words, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. <laughs> Don't you love that it's called that, her hour has come? Some ladies are going, I wish it was just an hour, all right? 
because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Jesus isn't just talking smack here. He's speaking great truth. We know that because Hebrews 12 tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He understood what it meant to let joy be the fuel that continues to drive you through the difficulties and sorrows of life. James 1, 2, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Sorrow is temporary. Joy is permanent. Never forget that. Sorrow is temporary, and as followers of Jesus Christ, when we encounter sorrow and fear and all the things that we don't, what we do is we take our hope and we mingle it with our sorrow. And we mingle it until that hope turns it into joy and we get through the process. It's as if in the wintertime, when your thermostat realizes it's too cold, all of a sudden it kicks in. And it starts shooting hot air in until the hot air takes over. That's what we do as followers of Jesus Christ. We encounter difficulties and sorrows and pain and all of that. But we never lose hope. And our hope mingles with those things until the joy takes over. Joy is not about our circumstances of, the circumstances of our life. It's about the circumstances of our soul. Jesus is going to go on and he's going to say these words. You also... Have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Hey, Christian, no one can take your joy from you. You can give it up, but nobody gets to take your joy from you because no one gave you your joy. Your joy came from the Holy Spirit, from the Spirit of God. He's the one who gave it to you. We don't get to say terms like, well, they just robbed me of my joy. No, you gave it up. Because Jesus says you can't, your joy can't be taken from you. This morning, I want to wrap up with just three things to keep in mind when you think about joy. I try to make it easy because I'm not real smart and I can't remember very well. I only have one and a half degrees, all right? But three things. When you think about joy, the J is Jesus. Jesus is the reason for your joy. Jesus is the reason for your joy. John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus says this, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the reason for our joy not our circumstances. If you're finding your joy in anything else, it's gonna fail you. And so we, we have to understand that. Joy is a calm delight. It is an awareness of God's grace. Jesus is gonna say to his disciples in this passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's gonna say to them in this same passage, believe because of what you have seen me do. In your own life, can't you do that? Can't you look and say, I believe because what I've seen God do in my life? We, we just sang a song, right, that he splits the seas so that we can walk right through them. 
And we know we read that in the, in the Bible, but we also know that he's done it in our lives, that there's been those times that it seemed impossible and somehow he made it possible. And so Jesus is the reason for my joy. The O is others. Other believers help cultivate your joy. John 15, 12, Jesus still in that same long chicken pox party. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Joy is a communicable disease. We pass it around to one another. We give it to each other. It's not work to do that. It is cultivated in community. It is contagious. At the party, Jesus washed the disciples' feet and he said, I want you to go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Serve each other. And when you're serving each other, there's no, joy just kind of erupts out of you when you're serving other people. I, I left work one day, and I was in a mood. You ever leave work in a mood? Man, I left work in a mood. This is what happened. See, I, I'd gotten there that day, and I'd spent most of the day working on an outline, planning for the services. It took a lot of time. It was frustrating. I'd visited with some members who were struggling physically and emotionally, I'd met with a couple and talked about some of their struggles in their marriage, and they didn't really know if they were going to make it, but we talked about it, and how can we work on these things and, 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 and figure it out. I spoke with a member who struggled, who had a great loss. It was one thing after another. And, I, and I, as I left, as I pulled out of the parking lot, I was in a mood. And you know what that mood was? Can I just be honest with you? That mood was joy. Not because of the difficulties that I had helped people with or the struggles that I'd have, but because I was in proximity to other believers dealing with life and we were dealing with things that only God could be the one to take care of. And so that forced us to be in community with God. And so I left work in a mood and that mood was joy. Because anytime we are used by God in the lives of other believers, we experience joy. The problem is we're trying to find joy without being in community with other believers. We're trying to find joy without being used by God. And it just doesn't work that way. And the last thing is why, and that's just yourself. Your spiritual condition affects your joy. John 15, 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That word abide means to remain to remain in. And somehow the degree to which we experience joy is connected with our spiritual condition. And when we are not abiding, then we're missing out on the joy that God has for us. When we're not obeying, we're missing out on the joy God has for us. And that's what Jesus says, not me. I only have a degree and a half. Don't listen to me. But what the Savior said is when you abide in me, when you obey me, that's when you experience real joy. If my conscience is not clear, I'm going to miss out on joy. And when I have things in my life that don't need to be there, it's like there's a hole in my joy bucket. And it doesn't matter that, that God keeps filling it up. It keeps running out until I've taken care of whatever that issue is. I would close with this, an old wise disciple who was a part of that chicken pox party that Jesus threw, said these words in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, 
You love him. And even though you do not know him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Friends, if you know God because of Jesus, you have all you need to experience inexpressible joy. And if I'm missing out on that joy, then I wonder if I might stop and go, am I going to Jesus to find the source? Is Jesus the source of my joy? Am I in community with others? Is there something about yourself that you need to take a close look at and say, this thing in my life I need to take care of because it's causing me to miss out on joy. Let's think about that while we worship.